is Saturday the 19th of December 2020 and this is episode 388 of Digital Outbox. Welcome to another episode, a Christmassy episode, uh, although the topics for today are very much not Christmassy. Uh, oh. <laughs> Thank you. I owe Chris, and on the jingle bells today is Ian. Hello, Ian. Good morning, Chris. I cannot believe that A, it's the last one of the year, because it's been the, the I don't know, craziest year, but also the tech news won't let up. It's no. just, give us a break. It's normally this episode every year is the kind of reflect and review on what's happened because no one's releasing anything. There's no news. Everyone's done their Christmas sales period. We've had all the cyber deals that we're going to get, and then yeah, we're just ready to CES for the new year. And uh, but but it, <laughs> the news has been big and unrelenting all the way up to this week. So yeah, we've got another podcast, and and let's try and get that news out on the airwaves <laughs> yeah so ftc is uh suing facebook or it's 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 making claims against facebook to unwind its acquisitions of instagram and whatsapp now these were acquisitions that were at the time approved by by the ftc um but nevertheless they are having cold feet and they believe that the practices that facebook are employing which involves buying up what they call small companies for a billion dollars so we're not talking that small but the fact of hoovering up these companies and then effectively stifling competition is what they're particularly worried about and they seem to be coming down quite heavily at the moment um yeah and uh, it'd be interesting because because if you, not i don't want to say i think whatsapp is less it feels less integrated but instagram just feels like facebook now just with the way it's every second post an ad you can message on it you can do all of the different you know story modes that facebook's got it just feels there's not that much difference between them now yes one is yeah. still predominantly photos but um you know the fact they've got a marketplace on it and all that kind of stuff it just feels um this feels like the products are, are really closely aligned um i'm interested to see where this goes as you say this was you know when the, when what was it it was nine years ago that they bought instagram um you know so Gosh. it's a long t- <laughs> yeah, exactly. A long time ago, and um, but there's certainly there's a there's a definite. We've seen it with some of the Senate hearings this year, um, and we've got a couple other articles coming up that it's all around. You know, government looking at big tech and and saying enough's enough. There's a, a yeah. reckoning coming. And interestingly, they're kind of highlighting some emails they've got from like Zuckerberg, sort of saying. Uh, this is our tactic. We hoover up the things. It gives us about a year's grace to actually get ourselves in order. So we hoover up the competition and then we do it. And then he had to set out a a kind of rectification email saying, I didn't mean that was an anti-competitive thing that I was saying. <laughs> it was just, you know, and, and that seems to be what sort of almost sparked it. I guess the other thing is that people don't necessarily see Instagram and, uh, you know, and you know, WhatsApp has Facebook, so there's those sort of privacy things around that, and and, and you know some other stories we're going to go on to next, you know, around Facebook, and it's got a little bit of a stink around it anyway. But it's generally speaking, we are seeing, you know, governments and, and trade and 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 regulators concentrating on these massive Silicon Valley firms now, uh, and trying to work out how do you still maintain that competition in this environment where they've got so much more money than everyone else. 
Yeah, and and when you read when you read Zuck's words, I mean, it is anti-competitive. One way of looking at this is that what we're really buying is time. Even if some new competitor springs up, buying Instagram Path, Foursquare, etc., now will give us a year or more to integrate their dynamics before anyone can get close to their scale again. Yeah. Within that time, if we incorporate the social mechanics they were using, those new products won't get much traction since we'll already have their mechanics deployed at scale. And then within the hour, clearly, I'm guessing, you know, somebody in the legal team would be like, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't mean to imply that we'd be buying them up to, print, to prevent them from competing with us in any way. And it was like, yeah, because they're, they're famous for, you know, basically any app that starts to encroach in that social top 10, they'll either buy them or they'll they'll kill them that's that's yeah. their that's the way they work it's it's uh, and, and you know facebook are, are not unique or alone in this no. process they all of the big companies do the same thing they hoover up and then uh, and then either integrate or just let them slide you know they just gently take away the people and and let, let it disappear um but we've also seen antitrust proceedings uh, against Facebook around there forcing Oculus users to have Facebook accounts. So, you know, effectively tying those two things together. Oculus, obviously, another product that Facebook bought. Uh, and now you can't use the Oculus um, kit without a Facebook account. And uh, there's obviously a bit of a look around that. And, and some people are very unhappy with that, it's given that the old accounts that they used to be able to use are now getting basically phased out by 2023. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, there was a lot of noise about it, and it's one of those. Um, it's I've, I've got a Facebook account, and if I bought a Quest, it wouldn't, it wouldn't stop me, you know, wouldn't stop me from buying one. And but I've I've seen posts saying, you know, I am not buying this now because they forced me to have a Facebook account. But I'm a, I was surprised that there's an antitrust probe about it. Um, it seems such a small change. Yeah, it does. I mean, but there is a lot of negativity around Facebook, you know, and, and because of all the hearings and all of the. Uh, you know the the problems with data leakage and stuff like that that, that they've had. You know that 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 is going to put it to the fore. So it's almost like Facebook login and Facebook login process has got this aura around it, and then now people are looking at where does that impact. And hey, Oculus is one of the ones that does impact. Um, yeah, and we'll come on to it later when we start talking about ads and tracking. Yeah, because we well we <clears throat> so online harms bill is also come to the fore. Uh, very recently and this is where uh, online media companies will have to start or they'll be obliged to start obligated to start removing and limited the spread of harmful content so not only sort of child pornography but also things like suicide and um, you know anything that could potentially be harmful to another person they are they have to or terrorist materials the other one they sort of highlighted they they must get rid of that um or they um they face being blocked um in the in the uk so this is a online harms bill in the uk but in parallel um the eu has also got a regulation on big tech and and in in a similar sort of vein their harmful content um and how they're going to process it in in the european union so kind of this parallel story of again this direction of the pressure is being put onto these big media or the internet media firms, um, you know, relentlessly to to make sure they are keeping their platforms tidy, um, and and you know, the, you know, I guess <laughs> in some ways the big companies have the money and the resources to be able to do this, and we are seeing them make steps towards this. The the new powers will give uh, the regulators a, a massive amount of flexibility to issue, ma- you know, ginormous fines. 
um, to these companies if they don't comply. So, it, you know, it's kind of making them, forcing them their hand to say, you've got to invest in this. Some of the smaller firms are saying this is unsustainable for us. We cannot put the investment in needed to monitor and maintain all of our content constantly. Um, and I don't know where you sit, but I think there is a rebalance here because, you know, some ultimately in this new world, I mean, I don't think we've seen the harm the Internet can do and what it can bring there is we probably do need some regulation around it at some level um given how much of a big part it plays in everyone's lives now um yeah and i think to be honest, i think my views have changed over the years so i, I think it's been the that, that that this kind of rise of social media and and fake news and also the not not just almost what it says so some of the kind of i'd say extremists out there you know, so maybe like, you know, Britain first and some of the left wing smaller groups that have been able to almost weaponize social content. It feels like that, you know, so there's there's lots of right wing stuff gets shared and it gets millions of hits and views. But then when, you know, when they do actually turn up in a town or city, there's only 100 folk, 200 folk. It's not got the same traction as, but they seem to be able to weaponize it and get people triggered by it and share lots of fake news stories um, and I do, I do think, and it, I mean, it's interesting because the UK and Europe one, they're doing similar things, but taking slightly different approaches. The UK one's definitely about, you know, at one point they were talking about you will have, um, you know, you, you will be able to actually throw you in jail, the executives, you if you are responsible, and they've watered that down, it's now just huge fines. So now talking about the at Ofcom will have a maximum um, ability um of up to 18 million or 10% of global turnover, which could, for somebody like Facebook, be a £5 billion fine. I mean, it's what they're Yeah, I mean, that's that's even is, greater than the privacy rules, which is 4%. Of, so you can see the kind of scale. At 4% was already ginormous for the privacy side of things, and now ex- additional threats um, over it. I'm guessing in this world, the reason that that's where, the fi- you know, that's where it's coming to is because money speaks. Uh, and therefore the risk then ha- means that on a balance sheet somewhere they've got to account for that risk and therefore they can spend a bit more money in making sure their content is regulated. I mean, it's pretty, I guess, you know, it is easy for Facebook and YouTube and all those people just to say, well, look, we cannot monitor this content. It's bigger than we can deal with. Uh, and I guess then there is the argument to say, well, then it's probably too big for anyone to manage and therefore should we question its existence in the first place if if it can't be managed? Uh, you know, there's so many fundamental underlying freedom of speech, freedom of expression, freedom of, you know, all those, you know, the freedoms that we enjoy, should it all be regulated? Should it all be, you know, there's so many absolute fundamentals, you know, things and, and people are going to have massively different views on it. But But equally, I don't think you can ignore the fact that left to our own devices the human race doesn't seem capable of regulating itself it certainly seems to bring out the best of us but also the worst it it doesn't seem like you know it seems like we do need a bit of help to find them you know the moderation line yeah we've seen that with with parlor so parlor's you know really growing because of this perceived um you know the tech giants are you know left focused and killing conservative views um but and, and I have not, and I have no intention of downloading Parler and joining it to see what it, what, you know, it's a cesspit from some of the posts that I've seen. But seemingly they've also now got a, a child pornography challenge because they're saying all content will be unmonitored and mm. you know see what you like, and that brings with it a you know a, a pretty and, I, and that's where a lot of our content today is monitored. So the big tech 
companies. I mean, there's, there's, there's been a couple of horrible um, posts this year that shows you the difficult job somebody in the Google teams and the Facebook teams have dealing with you know child pornography. It's, it's a yeah. horrible task and a horrible job. Um, but I, I just I just don't see I, the, the, the bit I'm nervous about um, and I do think, I agree with you, I think something has to happen. It's back to the how much then becomes government suppression. Yes. And, and it's finding that I think and everybody's it, struggling with that. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, it's balancing because where when they've got the tools to you know monitor and suppress they have been again provable in the past that they will monitor and suppress things that are not related to the original <laughs> intention of of the you know yeah, of yeah. The, the law you know they they will suppress party anti-party rhetoric and all those things and it has been done they just click buttons and away away those websites go yeah um, and the, the eu one's interesting because it's bringing in um, powers that says you know somebody in germany can contact a uk firm and say take the content down so it's no yeah. longer having to, to to sit within that that you know geographical boundary it's like we are starting to see um, and I'm sure we'll start to see as well the whole taxation around these firms become a really big yeah. issue. Yeah, we've certainly seen that build. I, I think, you know, overall, t- we've also seen the unintended consequences of a lot of these moves now. So a lot of platforms, if they are now in, you know, entrusted to having to control their own content, then they're likely to be extremely conservative given the fines that can be there. And then we see other services that get lost along the way, like uh, you know, people who would support groups for suicide awareness and support groups for people with eating disorders or, uh, you know, bodies dysmorphia, all those kind of things that actually, because their content triggers these automated alerts, which is kind of how this the only way this can be achieved, they get taken down, you know, throw the baby out of the bathwater as well. So it's it's not you know the automated approach will actually lead to a more you know it'll go further or it'll lead to further action than is probably intended again and it will remove some good aspects of the internet uh, yeah i mean the, the one one that always pops into my mind for facebook was all the, the, the kind of breastfeeding posts that were getting taken down mm. um you know it was like you know groups of you know mothers wanting to talk about these things and facebook kind of blocking and banning um yeah. Yeah, unintended consequences for sure. Yeah. Yep. Um, Facebook is also looking or is going to be moving and they have sent out <laughs> notices around that they will be moving all UK users over to their US agreements. Obviously, as UK leaves or it seems like it's going to leave uh, without a deal, um, we're not going to be part of the EU no matter what. Therefore, Facebook is going to move those UK users into the US and into a California sort of regime. Now, they are keen to advise that that means that there's going to be no differences in practice uh, to their data, but it does move it over to the US. And in general speaking, uh, California might be slightly different in that it's, it's, it's a bit more stringent in California. But um, in general, American laws are looser around the transmission of data and privacy compared to the European Union. Um, and, uh, you know, and whilst the direction might be also to, to control that, there should be a bit of concern to users that 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 they are just all their data is effectively being shuffled off to America to for processing and and storage. And they're saying it will still, um, you know, so UK privacy law will still be, you know, still be in play. Um, and Google, which I'd forgotten about, Google did this back in February. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're not. It's, it's, they, it's not they, unusual. What, what other option is there? We're yep. too small a for, you know place to have our own dedicated sort of privacy centre. So it will, they will take an easy option, which is to move it to the US. Mm. Yes, 
complicated. And and I, I the problem is it's not what it's going to start with, which is likely the storyline will be. Yes, it's exactly the same protections as you currently enjoy. It's what you end up. It's with. about what happens with in six months' time when the initial news has faded and quietly some more terms and conditions change. Not yeah. that I'm cynical. I mean, they're, they're doing it for a reason. They wouldn't they yeah. wouldn't do that and and contact every. You know, everybody in in the UK to say this has happened if it wasn't for a reason. Yeah. Um, now, it has spent privacy everywhere, including the US, is becoming more of a hot topic. Apple are obviously quite strong bastions. Uh, certainly they advertise strongly around the, their privacy controls of all of their platforms. Uh, and they're adding a new level to their app, the App Store, which will actually show privacy labels um on the applications to let people know what data uh, that will be the application will be using what it'll be moving around and 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 how that data will be used um so you know i guess it's about visibility to start with showing people so they can actually make informed decisions um but it but equally it's it's kind of stirred up a bit of um a Facebook ire because it's going to affect the way that Facebook currently moves data around for its ad network. I see you furiously looking at your app store. Well, I was just I was just comparing a couple of different apps. So the Facebook app it now has many pages of here's what is being tracked when you download this, uh, and you can go and look up other you know you know whether it's smaller apps even Google I was comparing it to and, it, and it's tracking a lot less. So it's clearly. It's clearly Apple, and and when they made this made this announcement, to me it was a, again a good thing because it's become we've we've seen app stores grow, and the challenge has been this this almost abuse of the some of the apps you do not realise what it's tracking in the background. We've talked about it before the whole yeah. you know I go on Amazon and look for um, a new speaker, and then I fire up Facebook and lo and behold there's a speaker advert. You know, or I'm verbally talking to you about a mattress, and it and it and it, it serves me up. But and you're it's, like, it's, is it listening? It's but it's wider than that now, isn't it? You go on your TV and you'll see adverts within sort of you know yep. controlled adverts. You'll see it across emails. You'll see things popping in, and and yeah, it just it, it's very wide. <laughs> and and, sure. and we we have covered before things where Apple have you know cracked down on a number of things I just wasn't aware of, like. You know, they, they, they've, they've been strong around the whole cookie tracking and other things around Safari. And I think it was last year's release, they they start, they stopped this, um, you know, ability, because I didn't know it was a thing. I think when I was talking to you, you were like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's, 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 that's known. Basically, it's known who I am based on the plugins I've got installed and the yeah. size of my screen and the other things that they can, you know, you've, you basically have a unique fingerprint. Yeah, shadow tracking or, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so they're trying tracking, to, yeah. it's almost whack-a-mole. You know, as they shut down the, the more obvious ones, these companies are coming up with other ways in the background to still track you because ultimately, Facebook, Google, they are predominantly ad firms. That's how they make their money. And their argument and their counter-argument to this crackdown on the tracking is is that what this tracking actually does is enable small business to target. So as a small business, if you go into Facebook and you want to make an advert, you can target to very specific people as in their demographic, their location uh, and their interests, you know, and you can then focus your advert, which means it gets to the right people rather than a blanket. I need to spend, 
you know, for a small firm with a small offering that's relevant to local people, let's just say you're a pub and you want to sell the fact that you're offering some, you know, you've got a new chef in or whatever and you, you want to get people booking. There's no real, without that kind of localized attraction, you can you can maybe put a notice up on a post board, but the online equivalent this is what the fa- this is what facebook and that those kind of companies are offering it is that focused delivery your advert to people who actually might be interested in your advert rather than have to do a scattergun national approach just based on your little pub in a village so that's kind of um that's the counter argument to this it's it's squishing that side uh, and that's what facebook are saying uh, they they've come back with an you know against this move saying we're not able to offer this service to small companies. And whilst it might be disingenuous in that it's also stopping Facebook earn its money, um, you know, there is nevertheless a an effect of all the tracking. The reason that tracking happens is for advertising. And when that stops, that does mean that sales for local firms can be affected. That's yeah, so the other side of the story. Uh, yeah. So so this ad is is so this this change isn't in yet. So it's a change that's going to come next year. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's already been delayed by six months. They were talking about it coming with um, iOS 14, and it's been pushed back. I think they were making some changes under the hood and trying to placate some of this noise. Um, but what it's basically going to do is, when it when the update comes out, you'll be asked um, on on your Apple devices to opt in um, to allow um, developers to track you in the background. Mm. So that's the big thing that they're saying. This this opt-in is going to be a huge change. Um, and We've already advert- seen it, obviously, everywhere around the internet, right? You're seeing those buttons. Every single website is now saying, do you want to accept cookies? That's the, it's, the, it's the app equivalent of that, basically. Yeah. And 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 what and 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 you know I I guess I don't want to say you were pro Facebook and give the Facebook view, but give the Facebook view in that they're saying um, they're standing up for small businesses. We can target ads. We can you know generate traffic for you. We can generate sales for you. And obviously that's a good chunk of Facebook's business as well. Apple have come back and said, fine. But what we're standing up for is we're standing up for the user. We're standing up for the person that doesn't want this to happen. And that's all we're doing. If people want to opt in, they can do. But I think the reality is they know there'll be a large change in people's behaviour. And that will really impact Facebook's model, Google's model, and other businesses will realise, well, that's a, I guess it's people that have been, you know, and I'm saying people, so there's businesses, but there's also, there's political organisations, there's charities, there's other people using that data set to say, target this ad so it gets to the right people. They will no longer be able to do that. Yeah. And it's it's I- almost going back to, you're almost going, and, and, and I guess this is irony for me, it's almost going back to putting an advert in a paper. You don't but know if you're, if, you're, yeah. if you're seeing the right people, but ironically, Facebook put this ad in a paper. You know, so rather, <laughs> rather than using their own platform, and that to me tells me they were, they were trying to get it into, you know, politicians, yes, you know, faces more than anything else. You know, make a news story out of this because by by putting in an ad and putting it in some of the big broadsheets in America, they were making this a news story. Whereas if they just put this on Facebook, I think it would have. It would have been like interesting, but tech sites would have covered it. Instead, it was all over the place. Agreed. Um, and Apple, as I said, they just came back and said, we're standing up for users. And even Tim Cook was tweeting today, he just put up a little, he says, here's here's what the permission box will be. And it's up to Facebook to put in what, what, what they want to tell users to opt in or out on. That's all we're doing. Doing yeah. nothing more. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it is true. I, I mean, I, I, you know, the effect of 
things like this though is you know we are seeing people pay less attention probably to cookies and others because every single site like i say has them and therefore people are just clicking okay and just accepting to get rid of the annoying <laughs> the annoying pop-up no, you know it, it, you're, you're right it, and, and it's so i saw i saw somebody i saw it's an nhs worker post this morning and somebody else had retweeted and it was just kind of 10 10 story tweet um a 10 tweet story even um, and I was just talking about how they are under stress. You know, the NHS is under stress right now. And some of it is people people in the, the grand scheme of things have got COVID fatigue. Back in March, mm. April, people did, you know, lock down properly. They yeah. did, you know, you went to a supermarket and you were keeping two metre distance and you were following the, the arrows. That's all gone. I was in a supermarket yesterday and people just come up next to you and just grab stuff. Yeah, they do. And people are less uh, angsty around it as well. They kind of, yeah. everyone's, like you say, it's got it's fatigue, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's fatigue. Don't want to pick that fight. Yep. And and because because nobody's challenging it, everybody's just, you know, becomes more and more accepting of it. Um, in fact, ironically, the place I've seen it challenged the most was the Apple store. You mm. know, somebody, somebody walked up to get out the front and he was like, step back, please, two meters. <laughs> you know, and whether that was yeah. a, you know, just, but it was just, and the guy was, you could see in his face, he was just like, uh, yeah, and he kept talking, He was, and then he was like, I'm asking you to step back, please step back. And it was like, wow, I've not, I've not seen that anywhere Seen else. that for a while, yeah. Yeah. Another interesting story that's sort of come to a head recently, but is actually not a brand new story, but it's around a uh, China-based Zoom employee um, was secretly censoring Tiananmen Square anniversary events and, and calls that were taking place. So he would go in and, and find um, calls that were sort of around this, the, you know, the Tiananmen Square massacre and would just terminate those calls or inter- stop them from, from happening. Yeah, and he wasn't, so sometimes he's terminating, but other times he was actually saying um, they're hosting illegal content or they're hosting, you know, nefarious content. And that's how they were getting the calls dropped. And it was like, what are you, what are you doing, Zoom? I know, I know it's ch- so. There's, there's been a, there's been a bit of a smell around Zoom's growth this year. You know, there's you know, you know, are they secure? Are they really? You know, is HTTPS is it, is it, is it encrypted? Yes and no. And there's always been a smell around, you know, particularly from the US, because we've seen lots of. I mean, even this, you know, two days ago, US have now banned DJI. They're still allowed to sell their components and still sell their drones, but they've put them on the watch list. Mm. And it's like the, this this trade war that's happening between America and China is, you know, this, I, I can't figure out if this is part of it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Or, there must be a reason why it's popped back into the news again. Uh, yeah. yeah, because they apologised earlier this year. They actually came out and said, yep, that was wrong. But it's but it's got really strong again. Uh, and, I, and I saw it all on Twitter this morning, just saying people saying, don't you, people, people who are smart don't use Zoom. And you're like, really? How is that? Yeah. You know, is, have we not got examples where you know that there's there's you know other platforms that have just got similar issues? Well, I guess the the reason is Zoom caught the imagination, didn't it? At the beginning of lockdown, it was the firm that you know it, it was the right word. It was in the news all the time, and therefore people all they, they you know they went to their free forty five minute Zoom call method with with lots of people on the call. So from a lockdown perspective, it was a great a solution for many families and then small workplaces. The and they did suffer some. They did suffer some growing pains, of course. Um, but then, but as you say, it was just the scrutiny of the fact they were front and center when every other tech firm probably had to scramble around to fix holes and do all that as well. They just didn't do it in the public public eye. 
No, and, and the thing about Zoom is I think it's probably got the best interface out of all of them. It just, it just you know, it keeps everybody, you see all the video, works really well. Um, and when you think of the advantage that both Google and Microsoft have had in this place, you know, they've, they've been market leaders for years, what are you doing? Well, how much movement have we seen from, you know, Google and Microsoft in this arena? We've seen masses of, you know, to, to catch up with the Zoom product. You know, Meet, Meet has pretty much now marketed itself based on Zoom, uh, but but to sort of say we're, we're better at it than they are. Um, but effectively, their products now do the same things that Zoom was doing at the beginning of lockdown. But so if you think about how far we've come in a very short space of time, it is it's quite incredible. And, and also, it's, it's in danger of turning into almost like you know the the Google verb, you know it's like mm. we'll just we'll just we'll just zoom it, you know, and yeah. it's it's interesting. Um, you know, growing pains for even Google suffers. <laughs> so, um, we had what is very very unusual, but it's an almost total Google outage. Um, uh, last last week, I think it was. Or maybe even the beginning of this week. I can't remember was, exactly. No, now. it was beginning. I think it may have been Monday, Monday or Tuesday mm. this week. And and basically, that the whole of the whole of Google went down. So YouTube wouldn't play. You if if you ever needed to do another login or credential sign in, it failed. Um, you couldn't get to your Google Docs. The only thing that seemed to still work was Search, which doesn't have a kind of login component. But if you were on your own personalized page, then that would also have caused problems. And it turned, well, there was lots of speculation, but we've never seen a full outage like this. But it turns out it was, or it's been reported that it was a uh, an authentication service error, and a disk, effectively a disk filling up, and they hadn't got a configuration to say, make more disk space or someone hadn't clicked a button somewhere um so it ran out of disk space and and therefore did what computers do when they can't store any more data and it crashed uh, and because it was the authentication layer it affected all of their services um they did get it back within well, probably 45 odd minutes but that's that's an awfully long time it's a you know it's the same as a power cut isn't it it just it prevents so much access to so many different things that the companies really rely on that it was um it was certainly newsworthy it was well. It's it's huge, and and it's not just those big services, but also all your Google Home stuff was down, and Nest was down. It it just yeah, and and to think that you know Nest and their fire alarms and all those things now, whilst they go into uh, you know a fail safe mode, which means they still operate, you don't have any access to them or control over them. So, yeah. for example, for remote notifications, you wouldn't get that. Um, it would still alarm in the house if there was an issue, but if you're outside the house and relying on those notifications coming through, that those kind of services did not operate. And, and the, yeah. the thing that made me chuckle because you you know you covered off what it was. It was like you know a disc a disc full, filled, which is um, something that that just infuriates me when it happens in enterprise because it's like monitor it eighty percent, fix it. It's just you know it's, and it just but but it was a way that it's, it's so matter of fact. You know we apologise to everyone affected. And it's like that's that's what a billion people, you know. <laughs> yeah, it was like you know, it's, <laughs> it's yeah. you know, it's like if you think of everybody, you know. So how many people are using Google Docs? How many people are using all these different Google services? No, yeah, Google yeah. Cloud component. It's just it's huge. It's an essential part of our business now. Yeah, and 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 all the other services that use Google as part of their, you know. So you've talked about your business. How many other apps and services went down? So I think there was a bit of Slack went down. Um, I think if you're already logged in, it was fine, but you couldn't That's log right. in. Yeah. And, and you're thinking, that this must have been a billion odd people for an hour were, were basically thrown out of what they were doing. 
and when you know the the economists would tell you how much of a frightening amount of number number that would yeah. be of, of, of revenue but I, I just honestly that that little message you know today we Sorry. experience nothing <laughs> for approximately 45 yeah <laughs> yeah anyway but it can happen even to the biggest firms in the world so there you go just a disc for filling up um something else which has been maybe not as widely covered in the news as you might expect it has been in the news but this was a solar winds um they called it the sunburst hack now solar winds is a bit of security software um and a lot of firms rely on it and basically they put out an update to their software and someone had managed to or some organization or country potentially uh, has managed to inject a trojan into that update process which then installed and allowed after a period of sort of uh, dormancy um, hackers to view and access networks because once it was installed they were on the inside of those networks and had privileged access to them now we've seen things like this before um, uh, but this one has actually quickly grown into a fairly sizable issue in that governments are using this software to uh, help them in their processes and therefore because it was able and had privileged access to monitor and view uh, traffic and content no one really knows exactly what has been contacted and taken uh, and there's also you know it's a clever enough hack that it can actually move sideways across a network as well so it can install itself in other locations um, off the back of it so lots and lots of stories and and rumors around there's you know the the immediate response is it looks like a russian hack uh, whether that's again part of the global story and a happy coincidence who knows but they're they're certainly willing to push that as the strong suspicion that it was a state-funded um sophisticated attack um but yeah affecting governments and you know and massive companies uh, you know that you know silicon valley probably big enough to they build their own monitoring and stuff but for other organizations SolarWinds was apparently a go-to uh, provider. It, no, it is. You know, so SolarWinds won't get you, won't get the headlines. You know, it's, it's not like a Microsoft, you know, brand. But in, in, in enterprise, it's huge. So I think everybody in enterprise will know SolarWinds. Um, Microsoft use it, for example. You know, so mm -hmm. it's, it's so I know you said there about big companies will build their own, uh, but they are really market leaders in in basically monitoring. You know, so you know you can, you know. Probably, I think there's some stat about you know if you look at the, the FTSE 100, it was like you know it was like 90x percent have got solar winds installed. So this is the concern that that while it looks like it's been a you know a government hack, and again it's focused in US because I've talked about how they've had access to Treasury, Commerce, Homeland Security. They now they believe they've been in some of the military aspects, even just even around nuclear as well, uh, in the American side. Um, but but there's a really good Microsoft article that came out yesterday, and it's talking about how it's not just you know it's not just American government that this was targeting. Um, there's um, so they've said 80% customers are located in the US, but there's also victims in Canada, Mexico, Belgium, Spain, the UK, Israel, and the United Arab Emirates. Anybody that's running a big multinational firm will have solar winds installed. And the so problem is that they just cannot identify where and what they've been looking at so far. No. We haven't had that feedback. So uh, obviously there, there'll still be a lot of work going on to try and identify that. But when it's, you know, pervasive like this, it, you know, it literally can be down to seeing 
communications and codes and all sorts going flying around um i, I guess one of the things is it's such a, a large amount of data that the chances are that the whoever is operating this will be uh, you know have to focus in on particular bits they're interested in rather than you know the vast majority of data which they'll probably be disregarding but but just trying to identify what the scope of this is and, and how far reaching it is 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 you know it's, it's going to be it, someone's headache for a long time. Uh, yeah, it's going to take time. That lateral movement you described is a really important bit because the way solar winds is installed, it's doing monitoring around all your critical infrastructure and services and servers. So it's it, it's got a lot of access. Um, and and I mean and, and again, so so um, routers on, on Thursday said Microsoft had been hacked as part of the breach, uh, and they had to put a statement out saying, well, you know. We are SolarWinds customers. We've been looking for indicators of this actor and can confirm that we detected malicious SolarWind binaries in our environment, which is probably no surprise because the binaries, I think, were March April time. So if you're a good, you know, if you're a good enterprise, you know, software team, you'll keep your binaries up to date. So yep. they've come along, they've been installed, and um, so they're now isolated, removed, and Microsoft is saying they found no evidence of access to production services or customer data, but they're ongoing. But they found yeah. absolutely no indications that assistance were used to attack others. And I think that's the key point. So these firms will also have other mechanisms in place that will look at, you know, traffic going outbound over the network and why is that transmitting and lots of the things will be, you know, it might be able to, you know, you know a firm might have malicious binaries on their network, but it can't go anywhere. You know, because they've mm. got other, you know, they've got other security in place. Um, so it will be it will be interesting just how this unwinds. I think it's got the potential to be one of the biggest hacks we've ever seen. Just, and just... I think that's that's what's interesting around it is from a news perspective at the moment. It hasn't generally been it's not been a massively wide story that we're hearing, but from some of the indications there that this is say so sizable and so wide, you know, potentially that this is. Uh, an extremely serious issue that will become into the news probably in the coming weeks, uh, even more so as we, you know, start to understand the implications of it. And I think think part of it is you've not got an effective government in place in America right now. You yeah, know, they're it, in between. It, it, yeah, it, it's it's hit at a time when you know the, the the you know the guy that's in charge has just been you know hell bent on trying to cling on, even when it's clear that he's not one. And um, that's where all the the focus and news is. Um, but in the tech community, this is this is huge, um, and again for for a company like SolarWinds, you know, and the type of product it is, it's been, you know, it's just hugely embarrassing and damaging to them as well. Because because initially it came out as a FireEye hack, um, and FireEye again is another security software entrusted and used by loads of companies, um, and then when it came out, what well, was actually from sort of you're like, wow, this is, you know, this is huge. Absolutely huge. Huge amounts of money swapping hands <laughs> for between Slack and Salesforce. Salesforce are a massive CRM company, uh, customer relationships, and they they have sales and tools and you know basically they're they're involved in any part of a kind of customer to business relationship process. Uh, and they've bought Slack and they have spent twenty seven point seven billion buying. <laughs> That's huge, just That's... unbelievable amounts of money um, for and Slack. Which, when you when you kind of dig in and look at the behind the scenes, they were they were actually struggling because they were making a loss. Uh, they were struggling with their product. Uh, other meeting software and other chats tools were 
coming up so microsoft teams and all those kind of things were, were increasing their service and and so slack was having problem maybe that is why it was a good time to buy um buy from salesforce to buy slack but nevertheless that's such a huge amount of money um but i guess that what what salesforce liked about it and what their their the unique selling point of slack is it's full of integration so it's not just a standard chat process you can embed and inject other sort of automations and bots and uh, integrations into it so it can it can be pervasive and and given that salesforce is such a wide gamut of of products and services all kind of brought together under one sort of uh, remit that probably makes a lot of sense for them because it means that you know they they can just put this in and, and then start integrating with it um but it's i guess it's also you know anyone who is running slack as their team it's whether they're gonna now fit and do, do, you know fit with a new company and are salesforce going to continue to take it in the same direction or will they effectively stop slack and then move it back inside to their own sales tools and uh, and will it disappear for everyone else and i guess a lot of those questions i'm sure they're at the moment they're still saying everything's going to maintain as it is but you know who knows in in two three years time yeah, and for me, Slack was one of the first to really nail that. I don't want to say, I don't want to say it's just persistent chat, but that internal messaging and then that linkage to all the other tools. You know, so you, I don't know, put a bit of code in GitHub and you get your, you know, pops up. Gets all your commits every time, yeah. Yeah, and does all that nonsense. Um, and, and Teams, you know, Microsoft are really aggressively now chased down Slack with, you know, via Teams. You know, that's their big play in the same similar area. Um, I guess it gives Salesforce a, a foot in the door in that space, but I still, I still can't get over the twenty-eight billion dollars. Yeah, I mean Salesforce is such a big company that maybe it's not, maybe it's maybe that's a drop in the ocean. I don't know. Yeah. It can't be the drop in the ocean of the, these things, but the, the you know Salesforce is is one of those companies that is across. I would say most massive organizations tend to use that. It's it's like. A, it's almost like the sap of you know uh, customer relationships. It's such a, it a wide gamut of so many different products that over time they've either absorbed, taken in, or whatever. It, it does feel, you know, it does feel a bit disassociated for me. But it doesn't seem to matter because ultimately it does so many different things that companies want that that you know it just it just works. Um, yeah, and now it's got chat service as well. Uh, interesting. Microsoft has come out and. You know, announced that it is going to be building ARM-based processes for um, its servers and also um, its future Surface devices. Um, uh, you know, previously it's been in bed with Intel on these things, but it sounds like they are also getting a little bit bored of waiting for Intel to to move to the next generations and move an innovation uh, forward. And I've seen what sort of Apple have done and maybe thought, right, well, we're already building apps or so building processes in some respects, so let's. Um, Let's let's dig in and see what we can do. Uh, yeah, it's um, it's pretty, pretty exciting um, because I think the the those initial tips from Apple have been you know have been great. Bloomberg did a story talk about next year you're going to see maybe even up to thirty two performance core chips. You know, so it's it's gonna be it's going to be really interesting to see when um, iMac type chips and Mac Pro type chips are launched. Um, and to see Microsoft turn around and say we're going to start doing our own as well, I guess they're seeing the benefit because the Surface products have got better and better each year from Microsoft. You know, they're, they are. They are. When I look at them, it's like they are 
you know, up there with the, some of the best designed products now you can buy. Their only the... downside was they launched during the Windows 8 fiasco of all uh, that yep. tile interface and touch interface. Yep. That's the only downside to the Surface Pro Plus. Yeah. Yep. You know, so that 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 Windows 8 experience was horrendous. Um, awful, but Windows yeah. 10 is, you know, it's great. Yeah, is a good product. Um, and I just I, I just think they're they're looking at what Apple are doing. They're probably looking at what the you know mobile phone manufacturers are doing. And when you own the stack, you can do so much more. I just I'm just interested to see what this all now means because I guess for software development it's going to get to that point where actually interpreters and it does again mm. device agnostic code is going to become so important because you're just not going to know what what the chipset is that you're running on any machine that you're running on um and obviously Apple are saying we're willing to take that pain now and now it seems like Microsoft are also saying we're willing to take that pain um, and they're just—I I guess that's because they're not happy that they—that we just haven't seen the innovation coming forward from, from you know the traditional builders of chips. Because um, we see a lot of you know, there are a lot of manufacturers around the world which are into chips, you know, and all there are some obviously there's specialist centers, but if you think about all the graphics cards that come out, all the other things, and, and a lot of them are not Intel based or not Intel manufacturing based, um, and for for the reason that Intel just. I just don't just seem stagnant, and I, I, that's what the whole industry is mm. saying. What? Where yep. have they gone? Yeah, it, 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 it's bizarre. You know, it's 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 almost like they've. And I'm not maybe overplaying it, but when Microsoft launched was it Windows ninety five, and they didn't really have internet baked in, and and it just felt like such a miss when the browser started coming out, and and there was a realization we've missed this. You know, and they almost pivoted and put a whole lot of effort into it. Feels like Intel have just missed. You know, I something. Guess, yeah, just where the market was heading. So Apple have, have been hammering just the performance there, and the perf- not just performance, but the battery you get out of it as well. And and you know you see what's come out now with those you know a MacBook Air that is you know the performance level it's getting with the right software, which is going to improve. Yeah, the time. we need to put that caveat yep, until the right probably software. the end of next year. It's still going yep. to be pretty screwed for some places. But but yes, I mean, so Docker have put out the beta update now, so developers are starting to get some of it. And, and I think that's the thing that you know Microsoft dipping their arm, dipping their arm, dipping their toe in the market last year when they had they've got that the the, the Surface which is ARM based. Yeah. Um, but it was quite slow and the software's not there. Apple have come along and it's just put a fire under it. Yeah, that's that's going to that's going to drag an industry now. It does, and it, and it does seem like the the where we're headed with chips is rather than the complicated instruction sets dealing with those complicated processes, they're dealing with now with integrated chipsets. So it's multiple chips doing simple jobs, lower instruction set chips with direct integration into shared RAM, or, you know, shared access memory and cache memory and an on chip memory to speed things up and multi-core and it just seems like you have more simple set user you know instruction sets with multiple cores and this this direct access to memory and you know and that's what gets utilized rather than in a complicated instruction set world where you know you have got specific chip circuits for doing a, a very complicated floating points but actually the amount of you know use that gets is is minimal and so it's wasted rather than just you know you moving it onto these different cores and and getting them to just process it with brute horsepower i guess um yeah so interesting i i, I watched some youtubes on the how you know the general chip design manufacturing process and i have no idea how computers work the more you learn about them the more you realize that you don't really know what's going on so apple has come forward this week and <laughs> announced some over ear headphones and in 
typical Apple way. They are uber expensive uh, wireless headphones. $549 is their asking price uh, to compete with um, Sony and Bose, Bose sort of wireless headphones. They are, I haven't even seen a review of them. I didn't even watch the release. I didn't sort of notice. It wasn't done as part of one of their sort of announcements and, and I kind of just it run me by, but I've, I've heard people make comment of them and then I heard the price tag and thought, crikey, that's an awful lot of money for heads, headphones. Do, do you think there's a there's a challenge with an app on saying, what do you think we can get away with? <laughs> what, uh, what? Uh, so yeah, yes and no, because I saw the price and I was like, wow. Crikey, yeah. Um, but then I guess... It, it depends. It depends what market they're, they're going for. So the reviews have come out, and they're saying they are as good, if not better, than the Sony's and Bose, which are classed as market leaders. But those market leaders are a hundred to hundred and fifty, if not two hundred pound less. I was going to say they're at least half price of this. I would say. Yeah. So so that's a challenge. And uh, but but universally, the reviews have have stated that um, they sound fantastic. Um, they are, you know, as I said. It, some people have called it class leaders, and that's where we need to be careful because, you know, so again, take friend of the show, old podcaster Shaq, he spent over a thousand pounds in headphones. You know, so he's, you know, yeah. some that that's where you need to but, but I always find always find with these kind of products, it's like there's a you know, it's like that curve. You know, if you spend twenty quid and doubled it to forty, you can hear the difference. You double it to eighty, you can definitely hear the difference. But as you start to double it, the difference starts getting less. You know, you're getting less bang for buck. It's still will sound better, but not doesn't feel like you know two hundred pound better. You're there not comes getting... there comes a pound to benefit uh, yeah. ratio. At which point you are wishing that you're hearing a better sound because yep. the amount of money you spent extra to go and get that little bit of fidelity that whether it's there or not is I, I imagine if you spent that money you're going to go yep definitely there. <laughs> so so a quick a quick summary just based on the reviews is that. Um, it sounds fantastic if you're all in the Apple ecosystem. You know it's the best sounding headphones you can get. A couple of dings is that they're heavy. Um, so some people have said they found it heavy just on the head over time, um, and it comes with the most ridiculous carrying case you'll ever see. Um, right? They are. They don't. So that so the metal. They don't cover all the metal. You still see the headband exposed. They don't fold up, and. They've talked. There's no power off button. So typical Apple, no button. There's very little buttons. There's actually a, you know how the the dial on the watch, the little rotary. Mm -hmm. Try to remember what they used to call it. Digital crown. Yeah. Yep. Um, there's a bigger digital crown on it. So there's actual physical buttons, and there's one to turn off and on the, um, the noise, noise cancellation. Yeah. But that's it. There's no power. So it's basically if you put it down, it goes into a low power mode. And they talked about how if you put it inside the case, it puts it into an ultra low power mode. Um, but the reality is, there's not much difference. And the, and when you look at it, it's a leather case. It's like, how much does that cost? Is that fifty to hundred quid of this purchase price? And it's that is in that case, yeah. So yeah. if you put it in your bag, it won't it won't protect it. People that have got the silver ones, so the 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 pads that actually, you know, so it's metal and then there's pads. The pads are replaceable at, at like eighty quid each, and there's magnets hold them in. And people are saying, oh, you should be doing that every couple of years anyway if you've got a decent set of headphones. But the, the folk that have got the silver ones, after three, four days, are already getting grubby because it's mm. white. You know, you're putting it next to your ears. Your ears are dirty, waxy, sweaty. They're heavy. Uh, so I just I just think there's some design issues that I'll look at it and go, you know, I'm looking at you right now and you're wearing your Sonys. The Sonys have been market leaders for a reason. 
Yeah, you know, they're they're great. great battery life. The noise cancellation is excellent. They're coming in at a, I would say, a good price point. They're expensive, but a good price point. And they also go on sale, you know, so you can pick them up at certain key times for half the price of these. Um, but there are Apple dollars waiting to be spent. People are desperate right. for products yep, and yep, devices. Yep. And people will be happy to spend their $550 on their Apple headphones. You can bet when the all the tubes fire up again and people are out and about walking around and listening to their music, you will see a lot of these products being being out in the in the it, wild. It, it sold out day one. And if you want to buy one today, you'll get it shipped and marked. Yep. There you uh, go. They're either no stock or it's fairly low numbers and people were desperate. Because and they come in five colours, um, so and they look. I've got when you look at it, it's like they look a gorgeous set of headphones. Um, but I just think there's some question marks in the design. You're like, well, and in, in, in the case, you take a look at the case later on. You'll be like, geez, what's that? EA have been splashing their cash and have bought the uh, Codemasters, who they what, make. Dirt Rally, not their best late, latest game, I but don't think. Hold, hold, but, hold on, Chris. But two weeks ago, it was Take Two that were going to buy them, was it not? Uh, there's, it was. <laughs> I guess Codemasters just sort of put the put their little red light on in their window, and <laughs> <laughs> EA and Take Two were walking down the street and had a bit of a fight about who was going to uh, solicit. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, EA have spent the billion. So clearly, there's been a bit of a bouncing around and yeah uh, whilst codemasters maybe their latest uh, rally game hasn't been fully critically acclaimed or by by users especially um the you know they have got the f1 franchise uh, they are a big you know they've got a powerhouse of games you know over many many decades um so yeah it's kind of an interesting buy but equally do we want to see a, a firm like Codemasters who have had some real good classic games in their their you know their catalogue? Do we want to see them absorbed by another massive publishing firm? Uh, yeah, I, I I I wondered about this because EA are, EA are huge and Codemasters are, are I, I don't want to, I don't want to say, are they the biggest kind of racing people now because they've they've because Codemasters are, are, are absorbed um, you know. Lots of other smaller studios that were all well, really got good such, racing. They've got such a long history of that racing yeah. aspect, you know. With you know, they used to do the Colin McRae Rally was all them, wasn't it? I think, and and there was a that was, I think the Toka Touring Cars was all so uh, Codemasters. F ones them. They're known for Dirt Rally, and, and interestingly, so we are we were pretty negative about that Dirt Five game. Yeah. And it's appeared in lots of people's like top twenty of the year. And Interesting. I'm, I'm Maybe like, I should persevere more with it. Then. Yeah. Is there something there that I'm missing? Because I've just, I just, just didn't click. Yeah. Um. And and also wondered is this back to, um, is this back to EA just trying to get you know it's, it's like Microsoft with Game Pass and acquiring studios and Sony acquiring studios and you know EA sitting there saying if we don't have our own massive set of studios you know these these guys will be the Netflixes and we'll we'll be nothing. So I guess that, yeah, that maybe they're just trying to make their EA Play offering, which is it's actually a sensible offering for a lot of people. Maybe they're just mm. looking to expand that um, going forward, yeah. Mm, interesting. Uh, Google Stadia has had some, or Stadia has been, had some interesting announcements. So uh, over a year since launch, when they said lots of features like YouTube integration was going to be present, they are now just about ready to roll. And apparently that is rolling out now. So it looks like if you are a... Uh, you know a pro subscriber 
you will now be able to auto stream your games onto YouTube. If you remember when they first sort of announced, they said the most amazing things like you were going to be able to share your video. Then there was going to be, if you were sat at home as a Google Stadia user, you could click on the video and immediately be taken into that person's game, either into their own game, or you could play the game from that point on, on your own local environment. Um, none of that kind of happened um, at, at launch. And, and it's taken a year to get to the point now where they are just allowing you to stream to YouTube. Um, you know, this is going to, arguably around the cyberpunk release which you know they've been touting for a long time is such an important product for stadia um and it's come we'll come on to <laughs> cyberpunk a little bit later about some of the problems it's suffering but equally stadia could be the best solution for cyberpunk in that you know the hardware if it's running on is sufficient it could you know be the place to go and play that game um but yeah it's like they're still pushing on with Stadia. I guess that still means that they th- see this as the the future of where things are heading. I, I, I I'm I'm questioning it more and more. Uh, so am I, but I, I think you're maybe spot on around the cyberpunk thing. I've seen a number of posts where people have said the best place to buy cyberpunk unless you've got a brand new, you know, one of the RTX Nvidia cards is Stadia because the performance is great. Um, it works really well, and they're giving up. They're basically, if you buy Cyberpunk from, they're giving away the hardware. I think it's like you buy Cyberpunk, and I think for a, a dollar or a pound, you get the kind of controller and the Google mm. Chrome thing that hangs out the back. Um, the dongle. The dongle. Um, so, so yeah, it's just a, still think back to that Stadio demo, and that was the that was the bit that stood out. The whole you you're streaming this, and I can just join. That's you know that was like so unique. Yeah, and we're still not we're still not there, you know. Nope. So, it'll be interesting to see if twenty twenty one that finally lands, because um, that was definitely there. You know, other people are doing. You know, so Sony are doing a bit of streaming, and Microsoft are doing it, and you know, it's it's becoming more acceptable. But Stadia looked really different. It was like low cost hardware, and um, you still have to buy the games, which felt a bit odd with Game Pass kicking around. Um, but they've still yeah, not that was landed. the most uncomfortable bit about it, wasn't it? You were already yeah. paying for a subscription. Uh, because ultimately there's compute power being used and and yeah, yeah. someone's got to pay for that summer level. But yeah, you, you felt strange that you had to yeah subscribe to a service and then buy your games on top of it. It didn't it didn't sit comfortably. Yeah. Um, but they are now present on iOS, so they have uh, released uh, an update which actually allows you to run Stadia games through the iPhone or iPad Safari browser. So pretty much as Apple said, if you want to. If you don't want to go through our app store then hey you've got to make a web app to do it and that's kind of the direction that it seems like these companies are taking they are choosing to not have their um have to go through all those app store uh payments and uh chops of you know apple taxes we call it and then uh, but also the um you know the vetting and, and review process as well so yeah they've they've now brought out a, a web app to be able to do that and I saw a great video of somebody with a controller playing Cyberpunk on an iPad. You know, yeah. so you're you're decent sized screen when it's up close, and they claimed it, it was really playable. I, mm. I'm always suspicious. You no, know, can, can I just think maybe it's just me, me and you of a generation that were really sensitive to bits of lag and. I'm just well to be honest I'm not I was actually very cynical about Stadia in general and it played in a browser on my PC very well so why wouldn't it, it, it did, on a, you know, iPhone? We, we had a game or two of Destiny and yeah. and I I just felt uh, the, the bit I remember was being like a second behind it felt like it wasn't lag it was just like things were happening 
a different yeah see so yeah, i don't know whether i know that you experienced slightly different from me because i yeah. never saw any of that it was all very real time for me it was um it, it just felt like playing a game on my pc so uh, but i know that you suffered some of the and, and other people have mentioned in commentary that you know other people have seen weird lag or or strange things but overall i just thought it was a technical tour de force and uh, and yeah why wouldn't i, I mean there's another argument to say why would you want to play such a beautiful amazing game on a tiny screen you know that's that's for someone else to argue that that's not part of my game i can't like being able to play it on my massive lounge telly thank you very much Mm. um yeah so that's so we've also seen xcloud um coming to ios and in pc and it will be in spring 2021 so this is Microsoft's streaming process so they've announced that anyone with game pass ultimate will have access to that um cloud cloud gaming service um so again they've gone down that browser route rather uh, yeah, than getting into the app store it's a shame i do hope at some point apple apple can relate and go actually can you just do it as an app because because all, all it's done is, is forced them to retool and go through a browser which is a bit more clunky to launch but in the grand scheme of things it's you know I, I don't know if they just saw this as a you know we'll kill the revenue stream but um the guys are mm-hmm. working around it and, and again so stadia looked really impressive over the browser they're trying people were trying different games and it was working really well couldn't couldn't distinguish that from the app that was on um android Talking of clunky implementation, Cyberpunk 2077 on yeah, came out and it was you know we we know it had already been delayed and we knew there was pressure to get it out the window for the new out the door sorry not that, maybe they did throw it out the window maybe that's the problem um, for the new releases of the consoles but it turns out that if you bought it on the last generation PlayStation 4 Xbox One even Xbox One X it was a uh, I, I guess a, a big problem there were already we knew about sort of bugs and features of the game that were not so polished on the uh sort of the current generation and pc versions of the game but as soon as it started running on playstation 4 and xbox one uh the reports back were that it was um really not a finished game and and, and uh, We've seen an awful lot of movement from companies, including Sony, taking it off of the PlayStation Store and people offering and uh, refunds on your purchase. Um, I've not been invested in looking at the bugs, but I heard from yourself that you had seen some of the videos and it did look pretty atrocious. It, it was awful. You know, I, I couldn't couldn't quite believe what was what, especially that that at one point I thought I was watching somebody on a really low powered PC because it was. It was like, um, how could I describe it? You saw the character model, and there was no textures at all, and they were, in, yeah, and then they were interactive for like, you know, three, four seconds, and then all the textures appeared. Um, and there's been there's, there's been a whole other things have come out around how kind of almost lame its AI is. It's it's such a rich world that that you're in, but the 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 kind of uh, the non-player, you know, the non you know cars and if you look at the non-playing characters. There's such poorly implemented AI around them that that I, I think it's diminished potentially some of the game. Um, it's just interesting because Sony initially were refusing refunds, even though Project Red had said, "Yeah, just get in touch; they'll they'll refund." It was like, "Nope," and then they took it down. So clearly mm. they've and, and again there was a whiff round. I think you'd said it when we were talking through the week. Um, you know, they had limited reviewers to using only their videos and screenshots. Mm-hmm. Which were obviously done on you know a high spec PC, um, and only certain um, game platforms got review copies. 
that, so that one's that was one of the biggest things playstation 4 xbox one they did not release review copies there was no prior release there. so if someone had pre-ordered for example they didn't get a chance to see their game running on yeah. on that software you know and, and reviewers didn't get a chance to sort of say highlight some of these issues but it it just it feels like the whole thing has just been managed badly right it just feels yeah. that it hasn't been now that's but not you've, to say you've got not, it you've got it on series x yeah and i've only i've literally played maybe the first five five minutes of the the, the game just when i installed it and the world felt great. It felt rich and dynamic and it was deep, but I, I am not out into the place. I guess some of the illusion fails, I guess, when you notice that people are acting strangely, cars aren't driving properly or this, that, and the other, you know, that, that motorbikes are only drivable by human characters. The computer doesn't even have motorbikes available to them. All those kind of little things that I guess just if you're playing it and you're in, engaged in it, maybe it ruins that illusion. Um, There's a couple of videos that... that but looked looked pretty poor to me and these weren't from xbox one or playstation 4 they were just this is this is cyberpunk on any platform um and it was um you, you looked at a car and there was three cars you did a 180 and then you did a 180 back and there was only two cars you did a 180 and you did a 180 back and there was no cars you did a 180 and you did a 180 back and there was three different cars so it's not really persistent what what's in the world who's to say in that 2077 cars won't just evaporate and uh, yeah and, and there was and the player the, the non-playing characters you know so a character pulled a gun and shot people and there was mass panic you know people started running and they did a 180 and turned around there's nobody there so i i i'm gonna i'd be interesting when i do start playing because i'm still trying to play valhalla through at the moment and, yep. and i'm really enjoying that so i thought why try and interrupt the flow of that by putting another game in there um uh, so I will be interested to see when playing it if they are just absolute breakers for the game or whether there is still a good game underneath because a lot reviewers are a bit sort of uh, you know in two minds about it but that most of them did say that was there was something of a good game in this it, uh, and that's what I'm trying to work out whether yeah, it's going to be a, good, a fun game to play and I, it's quite easy to forget about all of the you know am I enjoying playing this game and, exactly. and you know so many so much concentration gets on a bit of graphic here, a bit of pop-up here and that. But if I'm enjoying the game, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. And it reviewed really well. You know, so generally it's reviewed really well. Um, and I, and I, I still will be picking it up. You know, I still want to play it. Um, and I'll be picking it up for the console. I don't want to play it on the PC. I don't want to sit for eight hours in front of the PC playing it. I want to, you know, play it a bit more, bit more relaxed on the, on the big telly. Um, and I might that might be the wrong the wrong route to go down. And also, we've not seen the next gen updates come out yet. So although there's been hot fixes, there's a there's a another step to come on. The next I think gen they're going to be concentrating on hot fixes for a little while. Yet. I think I uh, think they will be. And I think if you were still on your PlayStation Four or Xbox One, you probably would feel cheated if you'd bought this game. You know, and it and it really isn't up to those consoles. You know, they'd almost be better of just not releasing on those consoles just for now. Yeah, and I and I guess money wise they couldn't. Exactly. Yep. Yep. That's what it oh. comes down to ultimately. Yeah. I, I, but it's definitely a bit bungled. They haven't done a good job. But no. yeah, I'm interested. I'm still interested in playing it. And like you say, the reviews has been strong enough. The ones I've seen to suggest that there's going to be something there that I'm going to find fun to and, play. And there's, um, you know, some point next year there'll be a multi a multiplayer update comes along. There's there's life in this game. He says, thinking, please don't be cracked down three. <laughs> there you go. That is the news. It has. As I said, there's been lots going on, more than we would expect at this time of the year. Um, but that is the news. I don't know if you've got any Christmas picks you want to highlight at this stage or, or whether 
yeah, we should just move on. I do um, feel like I'm going to sneeze, which could be the most exciting thing to happen in the last 10 minutes. Um, the only thing I would say is um, I've got a little HomePod Mini and been very impressed oh, with very it. Very good. Um, um, it's, you know, it's it's not the it's not the noisiest. It's not it's not good huge base, but for me in my small home office, it's perfect little perfect little device. Nice. Um, great for great for music, great for podcasts. Um, but it's got Siri, so. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, nice. nice. All right. If you want to find out more about us, uh, about what we are, who we are, digitaloutbox.com is our website. Info at digitaloutbox.com. You can contact us and Twitter as well is Digital Outbox. I am on Twitter as CheesyUK. Um, academyracer.co.uk should be sparking back into life again, Whoa, seeing as I am out back. driving my car. Um, uh, and so in, certainly for the new year and through the next year, you can expect some more updates there. So why not go and have a, a look at what I do in my motorsport? And Ian, I know that you've consolidated down now. So where do we find you? Um, iandeck.com, where I for have a post. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Thank you, everybody. Uh, a happy... Um, end of 2020 and into the new year it probably likely that the next time we speak you will be around sort of ces time that's generally speaking what happens but if anything pops up in the meantime we will be sure to cover it so from us to you happy christmas <laughs> i'm not sure i'll go with this <laughs> have a good one let's hope 2021 is a better year um and and, and we'll certainly speak to you then goodbye That is the tweeest thing. I, 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 it's the fact that I can't even find a sound effect. I've actually picked up a physical tree with bells on to do that. It was very weak. It was but, what it was. But equally, but, but I think, justified. I think, I, think, I think it kind of merged perfectly with your ending. It, it summed, up the, <laughs> <laughs> summed up the 2020 ending. Oh, please, 2021 be better than 2020. Oh, it's it's got to be, right? Right.